Well, if you open your Bible to the very last chapter and the closing verses of the book of Matthew, uh, we have been making our way through this book now for uh, a few days. <laughs> Some of you are wondering if that's the only book I have in my Bible to preach from. But, but I've appreciated 30-something 30, 30 years of, of pastoring. It's the first time I've ever preached through Matthew, just um, chronologically. And, uh, and I've really learned a lot. I've, I've appreciated it. And we come to the, to the last, to the closing verses of Matthew. And uh, you, it's, it, this morning I want to talk to you about it's either a great cover-up or it's a great commission. It's either a great cover-up or the great commission. Which will it be? Which will you choose? To believe. Now, we, it seems like that there is a, uh, there's a lot of fascination today with, uh, with cover-ups and with conspiracy theories. Uh, and I can get into those. I mean, just recently, what was it, uh, a few months ago, they were talking about Area 51, right? And that's somewhere out in the southwest. And, uh, and, and there's, there's this, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, mystery or Whatever they think, maybe that's maybe there's spacecrafts or UFOs or aliens. Maybe the government has secrets there they're not telling us about. I don't know, but I know some sometime at the end of the year last year there was all this uh, talk about we want to get a bunch of people together and storm Area 51 and see what's in there. Uh, I don't know if you do or not, but anyway they had that. And then uh, the conspiracy still, you know, they're still they're still making uh, movies and writing books about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, you know, and, and was, what, was, what conspiracies, if any, was a part of that. You've got the cover-up of the Watergate and, and the, the resignation of the United States president. You've got the cover-up of the Benghazi. You've got all these theories that are going on. And uh, this morning, when we come to Matthew chapter 28, the greatest news that's ever been that the tomb is empty and that Jesus was who he said he was. And yet we're going to see there is a cover-up put in place. Let's pick up Matthew 28, beginning with verse 11. And we know we, when we left off last week with verse 10, the women had come to the tomb on the first day of the week to finish, to complete the embalming process because Jesus had been hastily put in the grave before the Sabbath. And so now they come to, to finish that process, but they find the tomb empty. They find an angel sitting on the stone that's rolled away from the mouth of the sepulcher. And uh, the, the, the soldiers who were there to keep watch are gone. So the women, the angel speaks to them, and the angel tells them, hey, come and look. He was here all right, but he ain't here now. That's what the angel would have said if he had been from Blairsville, okay? Uh, he's not here now. Now go tell his disciples to, to hurry to Galilee to meet him there. And then as the women are going, they meet Jesus and they worship him, and Jesus confirms and says, go and tell the uh, disciples that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. We're going to pick up in verse 11. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch, those who had been there to keep watch, the guards, came into the city and showed to the chief priest everything that had happened. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, the chief priest and the elders and the leaders gave them a lot of money to the soldiers to bribe them. And they said, this is what you need to say. Say his disciples came by night and stole his body away while we were sleeping. 
And, uh, and, and if it happens that the, the governor's, here's a story, and he's going he's gonna to have you uh, executed because you were asleep on duty, we got you back. Verse 14, we'll persuade him and secure you. We'll take care of you. So the soldiers took the money and did what they were told to do. And Matthew says, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And Matthew had written this, oh, I don't know, 40, 50, uh, 30, 40 years after Jesus' crucifixion and uh, resurrection. And uh, Matthew says, and this is still one of the cover-ups. Is still one of the conspiracy theories that's out there. Now, I'm wondering, why in the world would you want to cover up this good news? I mean, this, this, is, this is, is the best news it's ever been. This is a confirmation. Why would you want to cover it up? And I'm, and I'm thinking, why do people still cover it up? Recently, there was a pew in, uh, of, of uh, church leaders, church leaders in the United States, and the, the percentage of church leaders that did not believe in a bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was staggering. And the, and the excuse was they, they, they just, their, their logic was, no, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's spiritual. It was a spiritual resurrection because he was a great teacher. And, it's, you know, and my daddy would say they kind of got educated to be on their knowledge. And I, and I think about the conspiracies and the theories we still, they're still out there today. And some of them are, you're familiar, one of them is a swoon theory. They, they say that Jesus really didn't die. He was nailed to the cross, uh, they had hands and feet, they, they scourged him, they beat him, they stuck a spear into his side and blood and water came out, but he wasn't really dead. So when, they, uh, so when the Roman soldiers come to break the legs of the ones who were executed that day so they die more quickly, and these Roman soldiers who were experts in death and dying looked up there and said he was dead, they were wrong. So he was just kind of, he was kind of in pretty bad shape, so they took him down. They thought he was dead. They wrapped him in grave clothes, but three days later, laying in a cool tomb, he kind of revived, gained his strength, and come out. That's the swim theory. That sounds pretty far-fetched, doesn't it? Then you've got, you've got another one of the theories is that it was the wrong tomb. That the women who had watched, uh, watched Jesus being uh, wrapped in these new linen cloths and put in this sepulcher uh, and, and the stone set, that they, when they came back the first day of the week, they went to the wrong tomb. Then you've got the impersonation theory. Now there's, there's a theory out there that Jesus really didn't uh, die on the cross at all. That there was a, a man that was impersonating and, and protecting him so that he really didn't die then. But I love, you got to love, you got to love the creativity and the, and the dumbness, really, of, of, these, of this religious leaders paying a lot of money. Hey, when, when, they, when the people want to know what happened, tell them that while we were sleeping, these disciples came and stole the body. Now, my question is, if you were asleep, how in the world did you know who come and stole the body? You got, that's pretty cool, right? Uh, we didn't think about that. I know, it just don't have to make sense. Just tell them something. Tell them anything because we can't let them believe that he really is alive. Man, what are we going to do with that? Well, I'll tell you what we do with it. Since he's alive, it means that we can trust him that he was and is who he said. He is God. He is the son of God. He is God in flesh. And remember, he told his disciples, they said, how are we going to know that? And he said, well, destroy this temple and three days later. I'll raise it again. 
And he was talking about his body. Since he's alive, we can know him in a personal way in relationship, relationship with him. And I love this. Since we, he is alive, we can not only face tomorrow. Remember that song, Because He Lives? Remember that? I, we can face tomorrow. Not only tomorrow, but because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow and all the tomorrows, and we can face eternity because He is the resurrection and the life. That's what He said to Mary and Martha. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Any man who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never really die. All because of the resurrection. Well, that was the conspiracy. That was the great cover-up. And we're quickly, Matthew goes into the Great Commission. Verse 16, we're going to pick up with it. And verse 16 and 17, kind of interesting to me. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee and to the mountain where Jesus had told them to meet him. It seems like good things happen on the mountain in the Bible. You ever notice that? Uh, it, it was on the mountain where Moses met with God and where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments that became the basis of, of their law and actually the basis of, of our law. Okay? It, it was on a mountain that Jesus would, uh, would go with Peter, James, and John. Went up to a mountain and there Jesus appearance was transfigured before him. And he met with, with the prophets of the Old Testament. And Peter, James, and John said, hey, man, we can just stay up here with you. This is pretty cool. It was on a mountain. It was on a mountain, Calvary, where Jesus gave his life for the sins of the world. And it would be on a mountain where Jesus would soon ascend back into heaven to the Father. So here, Jesus told his disciples, go to Galilee. We don't know which mountain he told them to go to. But they knew, and so they went. Verse 17. Verse 17 is really interesting to me. It says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But that's not the end of the verse, is it? You notice what the, what's the rest of it? But some of them just still couldn't believe it. Now, that's pretty cool, I think. Um. Uh, I don't know how you are, and that's good. You don't know how I am, and that's even better. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, there are times my faith is so strong. You know, as the old fellow says, you could attack hell with a squirt gun. And then there's times I feel like the, the, the man in the, in the Bible. Remember when Jesus had uh, come down from the mountain, and his disciples were praying with his father whose son uh, we just had all kinds of problems. And uh, Jesus told the, the father, he said, all things are possible if you believe. And you remember what the dad told him? This daddy said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. To me, I think that's one of the most honest prayers I've ever heard in all my life. Because to tell you the truth, there's times I'm wondering, Lord, where are you? You know, I mean, I know you see, I know you know, I know you love. But man, you seem like a long way off right now. But here are these disciples, they meet with him, the, the risen Lord. The, the women have come back and said, hey, he's alive. Go up to Galilee. You know where to meet him at. And obviously, to me, this is early on because the men who are in our Thursday morning Bible study, they're going to tell you this. They're going to say, oh, yeah, we know. After his resurrection, he was alive for 40 days. I mean, he walked and moved for 40 days. He would just show up. 
wherever they were when he chose to. He could walk, the, he could go in the room with the doors being shut. Remember that? All this stuff for 40 days. And then he ascended back to heaven. But during that 40 days, he was seen of, 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 of the disciples. Remember, Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see. And boy, he saw and believed. And, and then he, for 40 days, okay? And then back to heaven. And now they come and they worship him. But some of them still wonder what's going on. But Jesus come to them. Somebody after first service said, it's amazing to me that sometimes even in our struggles, Adam said, Adam was talking about when we, when we have those days and those struggles that our enemy comes and with his accusations and with his lies. But even in our struggles, we worship him. And not only in our weakness does he love us, but he's got a job for us. The next three verses, verses 18, 19, and 20 of Matthew, have come, we, we, they've come to be known as the Great Commission, right? It's, it's the Great Commission to, for the world evangelism. And we've used, it's been a theme of our missions conference. We, uh, we use it as, as, and I think rightfully so, it's a mandate to, uh, to we followers of Christ to go and to share and to tell and be sure that, that we don't keep this good news of a resurrected Lord, that we don't keep this good news of the gospel to ourselves, but we tell the world. And I want us to just look quickly at these last three verses. And there's three things I want to point out to us, maybe four, as we look at this. As they, they've met with Jesus on the mountain. Now, I don't know what he said to start with, but this is, uh, Matthew records this. This is, Matthew says, hey, this is big stuff. And the Holy Spirit says, you better be sure you write this down. The first thing Jesus says is that, well, let's just read it. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. The first thing I want you to notice is that I want you to notice Christ's authority, his authority. It's, it's the basis, our commission, the great commission is, the base, is based upon the authority that he has. You see, a person can have power, but unless they have, the authority gives them the right to use that power. So it's the authority of Christ. And, and I'm, I'm going, I think that he had in mind probably what Daniel said in the seventh chapter of Daniel. Daniel was talking about a time when, when the Messiah would come and stand before the Ancient of Days at Christ. And look what Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 has to say about this. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Look at this. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not pass be destroyed. It's all authority to use all his power. Now, where? In heaven and where? All power is given to me in heaven and where? And in earth. In earth. Now, we, we, we know uh, that God can be everywhere at the same time. Jesus can be everywhere at the same time. That's called his omnipresence, right? 
because he's meeting with us here this morning don't mean that he can't be at, at Liberty. Don't mean that he can't be at First United. Doesn't mean that. He's everywhere. He can be everywhere at the same time. We call that his omnipresence. We call him knowing God, knowing everything. We call that, we say he's omniscient, right? He knows everything. And then because we say that he's all-powerful, we say he is omnipotent. He has all power. Jesus kind of gave us glimpses of this. Remember, he has power over the nature. Remember on the sea in the storm? And uh, it was it whooped up a bunch. Waves was big. And remember, Jesus speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. And the scripture says what? The winds and the waves obeyed him. They marveled because here was one that nature obeyed. He had power. He had power over, over demons, over disease. You remember Jesus would speak to those that were, were uh, afflicted and possessed and, and tormented by demons, and he would tell them to get out. Remember he spoke to, to one guy who had a gob up in him and said, get out and go into those sheep over there, remember? And he could speak to the disease. He could speak to it, and they would be healed and cured and well. Not only did Jesus demonstrate he had power over, over nature, demonstrate that he had power over uh, demons and the authority, but I will tell you, Jesus has all authority over the enemy, over Satan. I told first service, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't understand everything I know about the, the yin and the yang, okay, and the walla walla bing bang. Somebody said, what is that? Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah but there, there are some people who, who want to believe that, that there is a, a, a powerful force of good, and they call that God. And that there is a powerful force of evil that is co-powerful, but it's evil, and, they, and that's a bad power. That's not true. That's not true. Either that's not true, or Jesus is lying. And Jesus ain't lying, okay? When he said, all power, all authority in heaven and earth is given to him. And I'll tell you what's kind of cool. When we read in the back of the New Testament there in Revelation, there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to say to one of the angels, hey, guy, go chain that guy. Chain him and bind him for a thousand years. Can you, can you believe that? I mean, and I, can't you imagine Satan saying, well, why didn't the big guy come and do it himself? He just sent you. And the angel says, all authority is given to him. Here you go. Wow. Jesus said, all power, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to him. And because of that, we can walk in obedience to his commands and to his directions in my life and in your life. No matter what the circumstances, no matter where we are, no matter what we face, all authority and all power. Because of that, he has a job for us. So he gives us this uh, Command, he tells us to get engaged. Because of his authority, he wants us to be active, okay? He wants us to be active. And I used to think that the command was to go. But as I looked at this, I'm more convinced that the, man, the, the command is to make disciples. The going, the baptizing, and the teaching are all means to feeling, fulfilling the command of making disciples, and as I looked at this, the, the word really means when he says go, and it, it, can be, it can be going to foreign countries, it can be going to the jungle, it can be going to downtown Blairsville, it can be going to a flea market, it, it could even be going to Walmart if that's where God's telling you to go. But it's the, word, the, 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 the picture is that 
as we are going, wherever we are going, we're commanded to be making disciples. Wow. Now, that's more than just mentoring somebody. I asked Jackie this week. I said, hey, wh- wh- okay, mentoring's kind of a buzzword. It's a good word. Or have you been mentored? I don't know. I was just born to help them. No, have you been mentored? Didn't, didn't know what that meant. But, you know, but uh, uh, mentoring, best, best I could understand it simply that she gave me, mentoring is when we come alongside somebody and we help them become all that, that the best that they can become, all that they can be. But let me, let me listen, let me give you a definition here that I ran across and wrote down for making disciples. Making disciples, makes disciples, this definition means to teach or train people to know and obey Christ completely in all things. Ooh, boy, that's like a mouthful, isn't it? Listen, listen to it again. Make disciples means to teach or to train people to know and obey Christ completely in all things. That's what we're, that's part of what we're doing. And we do that, but wherever we go. It, it, baptizing is a part of that. I, I think of baptizing, and then to me, bapt, baptism speaks of the depth of commitment that's needed to be a follower of Christ. We, in our baptismal uh, uh, services, whether it's at the pool or at the lake or wherever they are, usually we'll ask someone to read from, from the book of Romans. And it talks about that for you have been, uh, as we're, baptism is, is identifying with Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then, and, and then we conclude by saying, therefore, as you've been raised with him, walk in newness of life. But there can't be a resurrection until there's first been a death. And there has to be a, for the follower of Christ, there has to come a time when we die to ourselves and are raised in newness of life as the Holy Spirit lives in us and through us, we're becoming followers of Christ, baptizing them and then teaching them. I thought, again, it's part of, that's part of the, the method of making disciples. We go, we baptize, and we teach. But it's not just teaching to impart knowledge, okay? It's not, that's not what it is at all. It's, look what it is, verse, verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Some translation says, teaching them not to observe, but what? Oh, who said that? Obey. Teaching them to obey all things that he's told us all the time. That's part of this making disciples that the Lord has called us to do. It's because of his authority that he's told us to get active. But he's told us to get active, and he's, he's given us one last thing that we need to remember. Because he says in the close of verse 20, And lo, I am with you. When? Always. Where? Everywhere. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus came on the mountain. He told him, and he gave him, he, gave, he said, hey, guys, I've got all authority. And because I've got all authority, I've got something I want you to do. And, and you need to know that the reason I'm asking you to do it is because I'll have all authority. So I need you to get engaged. I need you to get active. I need you to know that wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, if it's, if it's to the classroom, if it's to the school, if it's to the factory, if it's to wherever it is, if it's driving the truck, if it's in the house, if it's in the home, if it's rearing the family, 
You're all involved in my kingdom work. And my kingdom work is that transformational process of making disciples. But he said, you need to know something. He said, you're going you're to look and you're going to think this is an impossible task. You remember, I'm doing a lot better second service. I had some coffee. First service, I hadn't had any coffee. And, and my mind was just going crazy. So I, I had some good uh, prayer and caffeine that settled me down. They work wonders together. But, but, but you remember, some of y'all remember the old movie, Mission Impossible? Remember that? It would come on, dude, I can't, the, the music. But it would come on and, and a guy had a little tape recorder. And, uh, and the tape recorder, and it would tell him your job should you decide to take it. And then at the end, it would just, it'd burn, it'd, remember that? It's pretty cool. Well, Jesus, Jesus has given us this job, this responsibility. He's commissioned us. We've been commissioned because he has the authority to do that. And he said, it's on this authority that I'm telling you to get active. And by the way, you need to know that, it's, that this impossible task is, becomes possible because it's not dependent upon your ability, but upon my ability, his ability. He's with us always. It's our availability, but it's his ability. And he says, I'll be with you. I'll do this. Remember in Acts 1-8, when, uh, when uh, uh, Jesus was, uh, he was getting, he's getting ready. This is another mountaintop experience. He's getting ready to go back to heaven in Acts 1-8. It's after the end of the 40 days that he's been with his disciples. <clears throat> and he's getting ready to go. And he says, but you go to, you go to Jerusalem and you tarry, but you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Blairsville, Blue Ridge, Murphy, even Gumlog. Yeah, I mean, our, 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 yeah, I, 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 we, could, we could put it in there. That's the uttermost stuff. I mean, we put it in there, even to the ends of the world. But it's because of his ability, his power, that now... He is placed in us through the Holy Spirit, and as we avail ourselves to him, make ourselves available, his ability and ours encourages us and allows us to be active in carrying out the authority that he's given us to teach all, make disciples of all people everywhere. Now, that's pretty doggone cool, I think. That's exciting to me. I look at this, now, I want you to, I was thinking about this uh, for this coming men's weekend, next weekend. Guys, I hope you can be there. We still got time, right? Sign up this morning, probably the last morning. If you sign up after the day, you can come and get fed spiritually, but you'll probably get a hot dog instead of a, what kind of steaks are we having? Prime rib? Huh? And all, all the men said, amen. Sign up today. Sign up today. You get prime rib and all the fix. And after the day, you'll get a hot dog, but you still get some good fellowship. Anyway, we're talking about being, being uh, disciples. Now, listen, there's different gifts, right? There's different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives people, um, the gifts of, of, of teaching. If, you're, if, if you've ever sat on a person that has a gift of teaching, it's like, wow, right? If you've ever sat under the, perp, under the, under the um, if you've ever sat under a person who wanted to be a teacher and hoped there was a teacher and thought there was a teacher, but they didn't have the gift of teaching, it's like, woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Right? I know some of y'all are saying, yeah, you ought to know, big boy. Anyway, anyway. anyway and, and, and you look at that Corinthians, and he says, does all have the gift of teaching? Do they? No, no. And, and he's given some, he's given the gift of preaching. Now, think about that. And I'm not even going to, I don't want to get personal here, but does everybody have the gift of preaching? 
No. Different gifts. A gift of help. No. No. There is a gift of evangelism. There are some people that I tell you what, you know, if you get up here on the stage, they'll have that guitar saved and they'll have this guitar saved before they even get off the stage. Mike, they'll witness to them. We may not all have the gift of evangelism, but now listen to me. The call of the, and of the Great Commission is to be what? Witnesses. And God's Word says we are witnesses of that which we have seen, that which we have heard, and that which we have experienced in our lives. When we take the witness stand, when our feet hit the floor of morning, sometimes before they hit the floor, when we begin that witness of that day, it's in his ability, our availability, it's in his power that we have the ability to finish the task of telling the world of the good news of Jesus Christ and making disciples. This commission, uh, as a close, reveals the heart of our Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Look at this. It reveals his heart. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our... I, I love this. I'd, I'd like to be like... Uh, who's the guy that plays uh, Andy uh, Griffith? Uh, what's his name? Well, not Barney. But Andy Griffith. Is, is, is that his real name? I, I'd like to hear him say, for this is good. Yeah, this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior. Look at this now. Who will... Who, this our God and Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Did you know that it's, it's, it's the Lord Jesus' desire that who would be saved? Who? All, oh, every man, every man, whosoever will. Other oh, scripture says, for us is his will that no man should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's his heart. It's his heartbeat. He died for you and for me and for every man and every woman. And there's a few that I would call out. I just want to tell you. You know, but he has died for all and wants all to come to the knowledge and love him. That's his heartbeat. Now, listen to me. Every follower of Christ in here this morning, every Christian indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. It's either the great cover up or it's the great commission. Somebody came up after first service, and they said, Jerry, how, how do people just, it seems that people just tell lies long enough that they convince themselves that the lies are truth so that they don't have to deal with the truth. I think, I think he may be on something. But the truth is we have a risen Lord who has all authority and all power, and he's given us a task to do, to get involved, to be engaged, to get active, and to realize as we're doing, as we're going, as we're baptizing, as we're teaching, that it's our availability that uses his ability to complete the task. Every one of us in here this morning has a disciple-making, gospel-spreading task to do. And all God's people said, amen. And as we close the book of Matthew... He closes with, amen.
listen, for, for, the, for you visitors, I, I, am, I, I am apologizing. <laughs> that, that was for, we've been in the book of Matthew for about three and a half years. That's what they're saying. Uh, so that, that's, let me pray. God is so good. He's our God. Lord, as we, as we rejoice you in, in your power and your authority, and not only, Lord, at, at that, but we look and we see that we, just like some of the disciples, sometimes we deal with, sometimes we deal with weakness in our lives, in our faith even. And you still engage us as our, in our worship. And Lord, not only in our worship, but in your call to us to, to tell us to get engaged, to get active, be involved, be a part of this, your kingdom building business. Make ourselves available to your ability and let you do the rest. Thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.